We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. Hey guys, it is Tristan with Nerdut's Newsstand, and welcome to Ask the Experts. Today we have Brian Edward Hill, the man that took teenage angst to a whole new level on Titans and dug into character development in the comics. Thank you so much for being on. How are you today, by the way? Um, I'm good. We out here, you know, Hill money in the house. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm so excited. Um, I absolutely have, whether it's just how professional you are and how you treat, you know, customers and people online or how you write characters. I've always looked up to you. You've always kind of been one of the shining star in a gloomy storm. So I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Yeah, no, no, no problem at all. You know, I mean, I like, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I like having these podcast conversations because, Normally they're really relaxed, and I get to to get to talk about things that I don't get to talk about on Twitter, you know. And uh, hopefully, it's of value to people. So no, it's it's always fun. Well, thank you so much. Now, the first thing I ask everybody: How did you get into comics? How did I get into comics? Well, it was oh boy. Okay, so we're going flashback. We're going to go back to New York. I graduated college, uh, New York University. Mm-hmm. I was going to be an independent filmmaker. I was going to write and direct films. You know, I was, that was oh, the whole wow. thing. And um, while I was there, I met Nelson Blake II, uh, who is a comic book uh, artist, also writer now. He's, he's, he's writing his own stuff. Um, and we just became, you know, homies, right? And so he introduced me to a bunch of people in the game. Um, and then, you know, I, I was always into comics. I, you know, I read the hell out of them. I was always trying to write screenplays that were influenced by comic books, but had no idea how to get into it. But I think it was the proximity. I was just next to people who were in the game. And then I was able to meet people through that. But it still took a long time. I mean, every comic book company told me to kick rocks for like four years. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like I just kind of slipped in. And I'll be real. The comic book uh, companies didn't really take an interest in me until I had already sold some stuff to Hollywood. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like I had the Hollywood dust on me and then suddenly my writing got better. <laughs> Go figure. You know what I mean? Like suddenly, oh, wait a minute now. So <laughs> like it wasn't. You know, it wasn't like going to conventions. It wasn't meeting an editor. It wasn't any of that stuff. I mean, I had some people that gave me some connects. Like Nelson hooked me up with this guy, Rob Levin, who's a good pal mm-hmm. of mine. And, uh, you know, Rob, you know, would get me like a, a little bit of something. And then Top Cow, Matt Hawkins, that became like a home base. But I really didn't get taken seriously until I had another career. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that. It's like that. That's, it's usually just exactly opposite. Comics will get you you know, maybe your comic will get auction, uh, optioned or something like that. But wow, that's pretty funny. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Titans. Yeah. So we have seen many, we've never seen rather as many drastic reimaginings of a superhero team lately than we have with Titans. Right, right, What right. made you stick that landing, I guess is the best way to put it, with a gritty grounded version? 
And why did you choose that version of or over something more? And I'm not trying to sound disrespectful at all. No, I know what you're I know I totally understand what you're saying. Maybe more aspirational. Right. I totally understand what you're saying. Well, you know, so to be clear, for people that are uh not familiar with how TV works, you are really part of the showrunner's vision in a television ah. show, right? So when I came on the Titans, that vision was already sort of set in place between Jeff Johns, Akiva Goldsman, and Greg Walker, the showrunner, right? So they had made all those decisions and they wanted to approach things in a certain way. Um, so my job on the show is to run their plays the best that I can. That makes a lot of sense. Right? So, you know, I, I don't really question why people want to throw instead of run the ball. I just run the play, whatever the play is, to the best of my ability, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I get a lot of people, people pay a lot of attention to me on the show, mainly because most of our writers are pretty low profile. Right. And I'm like, you know, one of the only ones, you know, if you take Jeff out of the table, Jeff John, just take him out of the conversation for a second. Um, I'm the only one in the room who has floppies on a shelf and trade paperbacks and stores and all that. Right. right? So like I bring a readership and uh, me being on the show, I communicate with a lot of people who either, you know, I've read my work and watched the show or they just watched the show, saw that I also wrote comics. Maybe they went back and read some comics, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm just a small part of an overall thing. You know, I just, uh, uh, because, I spend a little time on social media, you know, over coffee in the mornings and, and I'll talk to people. I'm happy to, you know, you know, answer the questions I can answer. Can't let trade secrets out. You know, you gotta, gotta play right. cool, you know, but I'm such a small part of the overall, you know, and, and, and I just want people to know that like, if you, uh, praise or praise or fault, right? Like it's, it's not only me, like we are a village of people and, yeah. Yep, that um, makes a lot of sense. You know, everyone stands together. Everyone helps each other out. You know, it's like that kind of thing, right? So, um, yeah, the direction was kind of set when I went in there. And then, you know, so then you you go in, you kind of feel like what, what they're trying to do. And you're like, okay, I see what you're trying to do. Uh, and then you just think about, well, where can I add? How can I add value to this? You know, um, what about me and my knowledge base, my experience, the way I tell the story? You know, how can that add value to the overall mission? Uh, and that's really the approach that I, that I take, you know? And so like with the latest episode that I've written, that's, that's how uh, 305, mm -hmm. uh, season three, the Red Hood origin story, you know, I, I really wanted to write that one because I felt like I have a nice boots on the ground understanding of what it's like to be kind of lost at that age. Right. You know? And I didn't want, I, I didn't want to approach it like somebody talking down to, Oh yeah, I didn't get that at all. You know, um, uh, I, I wanted I wanted to kind of exist on the level of that. And Kern and I, Kern Walters, the actor, and I are friends. And and you know, we had a couple good conversations during season two. You know, just about it'd be cool. You know, if I wrote an episode, and you know, and he was in the episode and all that. Um, and when the time came that we had an opportunity to do it, uh, I really I really leaped at it. And credit to Greg Walker, the showrunner, for giving me the opportunity to kind of take that one on um, because it's a little bit of a risky episode. You know, it's like a little slower. Uh, it's, it's definitely more character driven, but uh, Curran really rose to the occasion uh, on that one. Um, so, yeah. So 
And most of the time, you know, on a collaborative project like that, I'm really just looking to find out where can I help? Uh, and that's, that's generally my approach. So I think I know the answer to my next question, yeah. but I was going to ask why you chose these characters as opposed to maybe adding in original characters like Kid Flash or Speedy. I'm assuming that was kind of already set out when you got on. Well, you know, the, the decisions about which characters go in and don't, that that's more upstairs, right? Okay. Like, because that, you know, that involves a lot of high level conversations that I just don't have. So what I, what I deal with are the cards that we have to play. However, we got those cards, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And um, sometimes like at the margins, you know, um, I might, if we're looking for a character and it's not like a big marquee name, you know, I might have an idea for a character and bring it up to Jeff and say, Hey Jeff, what about so-and-so and so-and-so? And he might be like, okay, maybe, you know, but for the most part, yeah, that stuff is just coming downstream to, to where I am on the show. I wondered, cause I've always um, enjoyed characters that kind of introduced, I think it was in the eighties, Mal Duncan and Bumblebee. I'm like, these two would be great on here. Bring them on. But that absolutely makes a lot of sense. So that first season, <laughs> when that trailer dropped, did you expect the backlash that came with that original announcement? Especially with that, like, everyone kind of focused on that fuck Batman line. Like, everyone was so upset. And I was like, okay, guys, we haven't even seen it. But okay. <laughs> you know, like, because I'm a hip-hop dude, like, I always expect backlash for, like, everything. You know what I mean? Like I, I grew up in like the land of battle rap, you know, like, like I grew up in St. Louis uh, and, you know, a lot of my homies, like we were just snapping on each other all the time, you know, and you just get used to the, you just get used to the incoming fire. So I didn't really notice it, you know, like, like, and you see me on Twitter, like someone would get mad about comic book I wrote, you know, they'll get mad about something. They're just, they just mad and they just pick my Twitter feed to come at me about something. Right. Right. And, you know, you just kind of, you know, brush that off the shoulder, man. You don't worry about all that. So, like, um, yeah, I didn't pay much attention. I, I mean, I never do, really. So, uh, especially if people are reacting to marketing. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's, you haven't even seen the thing yet. You yep. know, you don't, you don't know what it is. You know, you don't Like they did it. with the uh, Batman versus Nightwing. And they made it all seem like it was really going to be Batman versus Nightwing with the marketing. And then you get into the episode and you've got the Trigon effect and everything else. And everyone's so mad. Right, right, right. Without taking that opportunity to actually look into kind of wait. And I totally get it. We're all a little reactionary by nature. But it was kind of funny to watch the whole thing unravel as the series went on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, look, we, we live in an age of instant opinion. Oh, yeah. You know, like, like nothing can happen without somebody having to have an opinion about it. And then if you have an opinion, then apparently you need to share it. <laughs> so that's just the world we live in. And if you're going to be in any kind of medium to high profile career, which is, I suppose, what I have, I'm not like high profile. I'm not like, you know, Ryan Gosling or so anything. I just, I, just, <laughs> I just write some stuff sometimes. But like, if you're, if you're going to be out there like that, you know, then you, you got to be, you know, you got to be, be be ready. You know, it's like in this, uh, uh, you know, like it is this, uh, this track that I've been working on because I make music in my spare time, you know, and I got this line in there, you know, about how the honey tastes sweet, but the bee stings too. 
you know? Oh, yeah. And so, like, that's just, you just got to know it. You just factor that in. Like, if you can't handle that, then get off social media. Then don't be on it. Yep, you know, exactly. like, if, if you can't take the incoming fire, then just get off of it. You don't need to have it. You don't need to have a Twitter. You don't need to have an IG. You know, yep. I mean, I don't even have a TikTok because I don't know what y'all want to see me do on TikTok, but I don't <laughs> do it. Have some <laughs> dancing videos and. I ain't the one. <laughs> y'all not going to have that on me the rest of my life. But That's so funny. Um, yeah, like, you just don't need to have this stuff, you know? And so, uh, if that stuff really gets to you and you internalize it, I always suggest just pull back. Just pull back. It's cool. You know? Yep. If you can't make a joke out of something, you are way too close to the situation and need to just pull back, at least in my opinion. But there's not a lot of people out there that kind of treat social media the way you do. It's a lot of fighting. And I love Twitter long ago. But right. I think right now we're seeing a lot of people leave it just because it's so it, it's everyone's mad about something always. And it's really unfortunate that we've gotten to such social division, but back to Titans. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> In season one, you kind of used Rachel as the framing device with everyone living vicariously through her. What made you decide upon focusing on Raven? Was it just, you wanted to tell her origin or I, I love the way it was done. Yeah. You know, um, thinking back, a lot of that was Akiva Goldsman, who really identified with what Raven was going through, you know, like mm -hmm. as, as, as a person, like Akiva, Akiva's a good friend of mine mm -hmm. um, and he's uh, something of a mentor uh, and he just has a big heart. The dude just has a really big heart and he cares a lot about what people are struggling with, especially young people. Yeah. You know, it's a real important thing for him. And so he always keyed into that. And, and that, that matters to me as well. I mean, I have, um, you know, I got some young people I counsel from time to time, you know, it's like high school kids some college kids. They're just trying right. to figure themselves out like that kind of thing. And, and I um, mean, you know, I was doing it in person for the pandemic hit and now I kind of do it on zoom, you know, um, have a couple groups. I look at their writing, give them some feedback, like that kind of stuff. Um, and, and and so I'm really keyed into that too. Um, I think it shows up in my Jason Todd episode, right? You can kind of right, see, like, exactly. Is, right? So a lot of that came from Akiva, really wanting to to task that character and deal with that duality. You know, and everything is an allegory for something else, right? So like, you know, I mean, you know, within Rachel, there uh, there's multiple allegories. You know, the, you know, you got like you know the id and the ego and the super ego. You've got you know, uh, uh, just the, the challenge of light and dark, right? You mm -hmm. know I mean? Like we all have our demons that we're living with in one way or another, you know what I mean? And exactly. so she has literal demons, um, but we have, we have figurative ones too. And so it just, it just seemed like a nice rich way to approach it. When you think about the duality of other characters, there, like Dick Grayson dealing with his duality, you know, and, um, and, and all of that, you know, the idea of who are you really? Right. Like mm -hmm. what, it, what, what's your nature? It's you know? essentially teaching you about your identity through other characters. Yeah. And I think that's why the bond with comics is so strong with the fan base. And, and that's part of the reason why I'm patient when, you know, when the ops show up on Twitter, right. Because I get how people form a deep connection with this stuff. Oh right? yeah. Like, like I was a kid when my father died, I was about seven years old. And I remember the day I found out, found out in the morning, 
Uh, and then there was a little comic book store across the street from the apartment where I grew up. I didn't have a lot of money, so I grew up in a little small apartment in St. Louis. And uh, walked across the street to this comic book store and bought a issue of something. I don't, it might have been like one of the year ones or something. I, right. Yeah, uh, it was the one where like you see little Bruce on the cover and like the spotlights on him and he's holding yeah. his parents' hands like that. It was that one, right? That might have that might have been your one. Um, so uh, I read that and this really identified with Bruce. Um, and I know that th that's not an uncommon story. You know, like if you yeah. put a hundred Batman fans in a room, you're gonna have a hundred people that got a story about loss somewhere. Yeah, and a hundred people that have demons, unfortunately. Got demons, you know? right? Got we got our own racial ghouls and jokers and 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 everything else, you know. And so um I get why the connection to things is so strong for fans. Because it's we invite that stuff into our hearts, you know, like and and while I don't think that you can't let fan backlash dictate what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Right. Because right. you got to let, let art be art. At the same time, I fully understand that if I make a creative choice and it's a bold one and people don't feel it, I'm not going to get mad at them for not feeling it because I knew I was making a bold choice. Right. I think too many times in culture in general. We have people that want to be provocateurs, but they don't want the smoke. You know, yeah, like absolutely. They, want to, they want to provoke, but they don't want the smoke. They, and a so, lot like, of them can't take any sort of even constructive criticism. That's the thing. Like, you know, I look, I slide the wrong way all the time. Like there are things out there that I've, I've, I've got out there that I would make better, you know, that I would do differently. Or maybe mm -hmm. maybe I should have been more involved than I was and I could have gotten it straighter than, than it came out. Like there's plenty of stuff that's like that. Right. But um, you know, I, I just think like if again, like if you're if you're gonna make choices, then you just gotta be, you know, ready for it. Yep. <laughs> right. Like that <laughs> that comes, you don't just get flowers out here. Yep. You know, like exactly. You gotta, you know, you gotta have a stiff upper lip. And you see me on Twitter, I'm real candid about stuff. Oh yeah, know, like, absolutely. I will engage people that don't like my stuff if they want to have a conversation about it. I'll tell them where my mind was and why I made certain choices, not to convince them to like it, but I'll engage it. Like, why not? Yeah, but you're never rude about it. I think that's a big key difference is you can you can give me and you can take it. <laughs> and yeah. a lot of people can't do that. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, I mean, I'm not a thin-skinned dude, um, you know, and, and I mean, I grew up in some difficult circumstances and I've been through a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I've been shot at. So oh my goodness. When you've been shot at, you're not worried about Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Like Twitter ain't gonna get me, you know what I mean? Like, I'll be all right, I'll, I'll be all right. Someone didn't like an <laughs> X Men comic, I think I'll live, you know. Um, you know, meet me at a convention, I'll give you five dollars back, but like, uh, yeah, yeah. So, I have a different context than a lot of people, I think, in the business because, frankly, a lot of people in, in the business they come from fairly well to do backgrounds, right? You know, we don't, we don't have a ton of working class come-ups in this business, right. especially on the writing, directing side of things, maybe on the acting side of things. Um, you know, you get, a little, get more varied backgrounds, but like right. writing and directing, usually you got people that, you know, come from relatively stable homes. They went to very nice schools. They had a financial cushion when they got out of college so they could like right. work on their screenplays or their television shows or whatever it was, right? And they feel like they worked really hard. And in their own way, they did. But they didn't have to live life without a safety net. Yeah. So then okay. they, so then, you know, you get to a place where you're succeeding a little bit, your profile goes up, and then suddenly 
when you've been told you're special your entire life and then you get criticism from people, a lot of them don't know how to handle that. Yeah. It's hard. You know? It's new. It's new. It's new. You know, and and see, I, you know, I, I was told a lot that I would never be anything growing up. So um, I developed a pretty thick skin to that stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. So it, so it doesn't doesn't really get me. So that's that's why I'm able to kind of filter it through. Yeah. And speaking of bold choices, I have to take this segue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is my favorite scene in season two is when we see um, Bruce and Dick and Bruce. Or I'm sorry. Dick is in that cell. And we see that kind of fight dance scene, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nightwing becomes, or, you know, he comes, eventually becomes Nightwing by the end of that. Why was there such a drastic character change with Bruce Wayne? Like, from an extremely competent, conscious to Dick Grayson, and now this season, he's like psychotic, abusive oppressor. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so Batman is sort of a Rorschach test for a lot of people. Right. Like, you know, you say Batman to different people and they have different ideas of who Batman is. Right. Um, and if you want to know who I think Batman is, read my comics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, read Batman and the Outsiders. That's where my Batman lives. My Batman yep. lives in my comic books. Um, but I think here, you know, there was an interest in. I guess the, the psychological reality of Bruce Wayne would probably be that he wasn't a particularly healthy individual. Right. Right. Like if you were going to manifest him in the real world, you you would probably be like, mm, nice taste in cars. His brain don't work, though. Um, <laughs> and so I think in the in you know, in the, in the way that we approach things like I guess that was the, the tack that they wanted to take, you know, for Bruce. Um, and uh, uh, so I just sort of followed that that rhythm, you know, kind of kind of where I could, you know, it, because, you know, Batman's like James Bond, you know, like. Everyone has like their own way they would do it. Like I'm a Timothy Dalton guy, and I know I'm rare, right? Because you know you got a lot of Connery people out here. You got a lot uh -huh. of Daniel Craig. I mean, I love Daniel. I think Daniel's great. Um, but I like I like Dalton because he doesn't have Connery's warmth, right? You know, because he's not charming like Roger Moore. Because Timothy Dalton's Bond is a killer. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like he is a he is a government sanctioned killer oh yeah and he moves like that and and i respond to that but if if people like the cheeky and the one-liners and you know and the kind of maple syrup charm that like roger moore you know brought to it who yeah. who i love like when i'm watching his movies i love what he's doing you're not really going to feel that timothy dalton stuff right so exactly it's so hard to get batman right for everybody right um and uh, you know, what I try to do is just kind of honor the character the way I know the character. Um, but for people that want to really get a sense of who I think Bruce Wayne is, then you should definitely read like Batman and the Outsiders uh, and my detective comics run, because that's where my Bruce lives. Yeah. And I totally get that by the, I don't think you said it's hard to get Batman right for everyone. I think it's impossible because yeah, it might be. It, because just everybody has their own version, and and, and when I seen you know, um, not I'm I don't want to go into too many spoilers, but you know it's it's right in the trailer for season three with him killing the Joker. I was like, that's not my Batman. What is going on? My whole right. world is going crazy. Like my Batman doesn't kill. Maybe somebody else's does. We all can just still celebrate that we like Batman without you know what I'm saying. Like it just seems so divided. 
when we have disagreements and it's such a shame sometimes. Well, and I've said it on Twitter, you know, personally, I don't think Batman should kill. Right. And and in my comic books, he doesn't kill. Exactly. Um, I think it's it's interesting to explore the that character in a different way and I'm, and I'm happy to do that. The great see the good thing about this kind of stuff is nothing takes over the the history of the character. Exactly. Right? So, so there's, you know, it's like, it's, it's like you're doing cover songs of a thing. Like, you know, I can play Stairway to Heaven however I want to play it. That's not going to have anything to do with Led Zeppelin. It's still going to be there. You know what I mean? Like, you can still go to, go to Zoso and listen to the, the original Stairway to Heaven, even if I play it on piano and sing it like a jazz tune. Right? <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and someone might just be like, well, that's sacrilege. And it's like, I hear you, but I'm not, I'm not taking your Zeppelin records away. You know, so like, so like, you know, Nolan doesn't take your burden away, you know, and exactly, and, and Matt Reeves doesn't take your Nolan away, exactly. You know, like, like everyone's doing it in kind of their own their own thing. Um, uh, and as I and I think it's 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 useful for me creatively, Tristan, because you know I can get really stuck in my ways and my methods and my thoughts, you know. And to have to work outside of my comfort zone, to have to execute a character in a way that that didn't resonate for me growing up, you know, yeah, um, it's challenging. Uh, and on any collaborative project, you're going to hear things, and you're going to you're going to bristle up a little bit, you know? right? I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know, you know. And and but when I feel like that, um, I just kind of relax. And and settle into it and see what I can do with it because it doesn't change anything that I I would do on my own, right? right? Like, you know, and I'm a I'm a firm believer in diversifying your creative portfolio, especially oh, yeah. if you're working in collaborative forms. I'm a firm believer that you cannot let a collaborative experience be the only thing that you're doing. Oh yeah, because you will you'll, part of you is just going to always be frustrated. Because you're never really going to, it's never going to get out the way you want it to get out, you know? Yep. <clears throat> and it's, it's like, it's, it's the reason why you see producers, music producers that invariably make their own record. Yep. Because, you know, you made beats for everybody. You've been in the studio with everybody, but you wanted to do the auto tune and they didn't want to do the auto tune, but you thought you heard something in the auto tune. So you just got to come out with 808s and heartbreaks. Yep. You know, exactly. like, I know I'm not loving you. And as you just need to like get that going, right? Because that's you heard that. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? You heard that. And and uh so I think it's really important when you're in these collaborative processes to make sure that you're doing stuff on your own where you're just free to express because then you don't bring all that tension into the room. So if someone's like, Yeah, yeah, I know you normally zig, but I want you to zag, you'll do it. Because it's not killing you to do it. Because if you want to do something differently, you just go home and fire up the computer and do something differently. You know. Yeah. Um, so I try to look every look at everything like, what can I learn from this experience? What can I add to this experience? Right? How can I be additive and not subtractive? Um, you know. And in a collaborative environment, if I bring up an issue, I, I have to always bring up a solution with it. Yeah. You know, I don't just bring up a question. I don't just say I don't like it. You know, that's not. <laughs> No, what? No, no. So if I if I if I say something, then I try to bring a solution with it. it. Might not be the solution, or maybe I'm not even diagnosing an actual problem. We don't know, but right. at least I'm contributing to the conversation and not just throwing black marbles into the jar. Exactly. 
Um, speaking of the uh, collaborative side of thing, any chance of in the future you guys working with the Doom Patrol team again? Uh, I, I love that both the shows are so fantastic. It would be such a neat little collaboration. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I've I heard nothing, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. Like, literally, those choices, those are made above me. Right. You know, like, when I, if I'm if I'm ever running my own show, when you ask me a question, I can have a definitive on something like that. But, like, you know, those choices kind of come when they come. I can say creatively, you know, it's cool. It's, I mean, I'll, I I love everybody on the show. Um, showrunner uh, is, is really cool. Um, you know, obviously, like, Ryan uh, Potter plays Gar Logan, you know, and that's a homie of oh, mine, yeah. you know, and I, I, know I like to see him work with both sides. So, you know, uh, we'll see. We'll see on that. Yeah. Um, so what about the Lex side? Connor mm. was, oh, Connor, those scenes in season two of Connor are so good going through the wall and everything. Are we going to get that Lex side explored a little bit? Well, you know, the, the, the credit really goes to two people. So there's, there's uh, Josh Orphan. Mm-hmm. Um, who plays? Uh, oh, he's Connor. so good. And and Josh is just a, a sweetheart, man. That's a that's a solid, solid dude. Oh, um, that's awesome. I'm a big fan of that guy. Um, not an easy character to play, but he really shows up every time, 110 percent the whole time. Like, you know, Josh is the real deal. And then Rich Haddam, who's a, a writer on the show as well, mm-hmm. uh, he wrote the Superboy episode in season two, and he really wanted to turn that into something, you know, and kind of got it there. Now to your question, um, you know, I, I should hope that we would be able to explore the dimensions of kind of all of the characters, you know, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, I would hope that any story that we, we tell um, explores, you know, both the, the angel and the demon as it were inside of, inside of everybody. Um, and I can say you should pay attention to the way this season plays out you know there's still a lot of story left to tell so have a look at that and you might no guarantees no promises but you know you might you might see something in in season three that plays out that speaks to you know some of what you're talking about i love it (laughs) um so when it comes to um something that was i don't know how nobody's thought of this before how did you guys get the idea of using weed as a depressant for jonathan crane's mind like, oh, okay. So I that, can't believe that hasn't been explored. Full credit goes to Tom Pabst, who is a writer in the room. Uh, and Tom is a really interesting guy. He's just like, he's one of those dudes that just has a deep story about everything. You know, like, like he, he you mentioned a place, he'd been there. You know, you mentioned a restaurant, eaten there. You know, you oh mentioned, a, you mentioned a, a fight you got in, he got into three, you know. <laughs> And they're all real. Like he's he, and he's not capping about it. Like he's just that dude. Like dude has just lived a life. Um, and Tom came up with the idea in the room, and and the showrunner liked it, and, uh, and and you know thought it was cool and interesting, and so we went ahead and went there with it. I love that. I like it makes a lot of sense. But no, I've never seen that. Expo- I'm sure they wouldn't do it in the comics. But even so, like it makes a lot of sense using something as a depressant to help his brain kind of relax. Yeah, it works really well for that character. I, I, I don't know. I love it. I think it's awesome. Um, I'm also for you know the rights of it and everything else. So I thought it was a really cool idea to kind of explore the idea behind a medicinal use. Sure, sure. Why? Well, if you look in the background next to my arcade cabinet, I don't know if you see my my uh, my camera. You can see my my MedMen bag. 
is right back there sneaking around the corner. <laughs> I love it. Wait, don't click away yet. I do have a part two coming with Brian Edward Hill. So make sure you are subscribed. And thank you so much for making it this far in the video. If you did, leave a hashtag Titans down below. And I will see you in the next one. Bye-bye.